Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the April edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. We are going to start with this article written by Joanna Doxon. Atalanta Garden seeks to grow membership for the 2023 garden season. The Atalanta Cooperative Garden has openings for both working and non-working members for the 2023 season. Located on the north bank of Willow Creek, the garden is in its 22nd year of producing food for members and for the food bank. All All produce is grown with organic methods and products, and our water comes from our solar-powered well. Our mission is to share the experience of growing food and eating healthy. Atalanta has been honored to have mothers and preschoolers visit from Alamosa to help with the final harvest and to participate in a recipe exchange. Many had never tasted or seen some of the veggies in the garden. For the third time this year, the garden will host an international group of volunteers through the Human Force Program. Volunteers have come from Canada, Asia, South America, Europe, and around the United States. We look forward to learning from them and benefiting from their help while sharing our local community, the Annalena Project, and the heritage of the San Luis Valley. Each year, a wide variety of veggies are grown, from asparagus to potatoes, greens to tomatoes, peas and beans, peppers and radishes, carrots, garlic, onions, leeks, shallots, parsnips, broccoli, cabbage, winter and summer squash, and herbs. Our permaculture orchard is expanding with more trees and berry bushes. Members may also purchase eggs from Atalanta. Garden members can sign up for half or full shares. A working share, generally enough for a family of four, will be free this year, and a non-working share is $300. Working members help with planting, harvesting, and maintaining the garden, which is watered by soaker and drip irrigation on timers. The content and amount of produce in a share will change and increase throughout the growing season. Last year's harvest yielded 17 to 20 pounds per week during the height of the season. Non-working members have shares delivered to their homes, while working members take their shares after harvest each week. For the fifth year, the garden was chosen to participate in a crowdfunding effort sponsored by Seed Money, a nonprofit offering financial and technical support to public food garden projects. This funding will be used for the purchase of garden kneelers to make the work easier for volunteers, for a new cover for the hoop house, and for the expansion of the chicken moat around the garden. What is a chicken moat? Our chickens are housed on the east border of the garden. The large pen they roam in provides a moat to protect the garden from small garden pests. Thank you to everyone who donated. We are looking forward to another fun and productive year. Call or email Joanna for information and to sign up. For more information, visit the website atalanta.org or call 719-256-6200. You can also email contact at 
atalanta.org. Atalanta is spelled A-T-A-L-A-N-T-A. Now turning to school news, one educator's viewpoint, being a part of the education village. This was written by Karen Barbie. I sit watching my three granddaughters, ages 8, 10, and 13, playing in the woods outside our home with Challenger Peak as a background. Their excitement shows as they gather sticks and stones to build their fort. They do not realize how lucky they are to be romping in the fresh, clean air surrounded by the raw beauty of this land in the San Luis Valley. But I do. They are simply children doing what they do best, living the moment and fulfilling their sense of curiosity. As I watch, I am keenly aware of the responsibility adults have in laying a foundation for children so that they can navigate all of what life will present them through the rest of their lives. It is an important responsibility and a shared one. The African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, is an expression of the fact that children need the security and safe environment formed when parents, extended family members, neighbors, teachers, professionals, community members, and policymakers all take a role and sense of responsibility in the care of the children. Some of these roles, parents and siblings, are by the birth of a child, and others are taken on by choice. Educators are people who make a choice to be a part of the village. Theirs is a vital work, as they spend their time helping to strengthen the foundation of each child in their classes. Having a quality education is one of the rights of all children. UNICEF states that without a quality education, quote, children face considerable barriers to employment and earning potential later in life. They are more likely to suffer adverse health outcomes and less likely to participate in decisions that affect them, threatening their ability to shape a better future for themselves and their societies. End quote. Thomas Jefferson recognized this and was the first to address creating an educational system in the United States. By 1918, all American children were required to attend school. The compulsory educational system of the United States was in place and, with all its twists and turns, continues to this day. While schooling is required and standardized education has become the norm, what is true is that each child is unique. It is no small feat for teachers to meet the diverse and unique needs of the children who enter their classrooms daily, and yet that is precisely what they strive to do. According to Think Impact, there were 3,808,920 teachers nationwide in public and private elementary and secondary schools, with 57,546 in Colorado in the 2019-20 school year. The Colorado Department of Education shows 79 of those teachers working in the Swatch County schools. This number does not include all of the preschool teachers, nor parents who are homeschooling. Each day, there is a huge amount of effort being put forth to fulfill the idea of it taking a village to raise a child. It is far from being an easy job, and yet one that matters, indeed is critical, if the hope of the future is to be held safe in the hands of the children of this day. The educational community of Swatch County includes Center Early Childhood Education, Haskin Elementary School, Scoglin Middle School, Center High School, Center Virtual Academy, the Academic Recovery Center, 
Moffat Pre-K-12, Crestone Community School, Mountain Valley School, the Earthworm Forest School, and the homeschooling community. What stands out in this list are the educational options available in Sawatch County. Public, charter, private, virtual, in-person, homeschool, pre-K to 12th grade. Each strives to meet the unique developmental needs of the children. While not all of us get up in the morning and work directly with the youth of our community, we are all part of the village. One small yet important action we can take is to take a minute to thank the teachers and parents who give their time and energy to educate the children of Sawatch County. The fiber of our community can only get stronger when we recognize with appreciation those who daily engage with the children. And speaking of children, we turn to this article, Baca Grand Stables 2023 Summer Children's Writing Program. This is written by Joanna and Eli Doxon. The Baca Grand Stables 2023 Summer Children's Writing Program for children ages 6 to 15 is scheduled to begin the week of June 12th. Following are the weekly sessions as currently scheduled. Session 1, June 12 to 16. Session 2, June 26 to 30. Session 3, July 17 to 21. Session 4, July 24 to 28. And Session 5, August 7 to 11. Each session is five days for two hours from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Lessons include riding in the arena and on trails and general horsemanship, safety, grooming, and tacking up. The cost is $175 per week-long session. As in years past, the Baca Grand POA has generously agreed to underwrite a portion of the summer children's writing program in order to reduce the cost of lessons for local residents who demonstrate financial need. With the POA subsidy, the full cost of $175 per weekly session will be reduced to $125 for eligible students. Sessions are filling up quickly, so if interested, please sign up soon. Summer is a busy time at the Baca Grand Stables. Private and group lessons are available for beginners through intermediates. We teach both English and Western writing. Our philosophy is based on discovering and establishing a loving, safe, and knowledgeable partnership with horses. Body awareness, boundary setting, effective communication with honest intention, and self-confidence are all enhanced by equine sports. Trail rides are available year-round by appointment, weather permitting. These are usually one to two hours long and can feature a variety of terrain and areas of interest. Ages six and above are welcome. Community members who believe in the value of this program for local youth would like to underwrite and who would like to underwrite a partial scholarship for families in financial need can make a tax-deductible donation to the Atalanta Association, the 501c3 nonprofit organization that leases the Baca Grand Stables. Your donation should be earmarked Summer Children's Writing Program. We gratefully accept donations of any amount, and we send a receipt to donors for tax purposes. To sign up for the Summer Children's Writing Program, schedule a lesson or trail ride, inquire about horse boarding, or Arrange to pick up free manure for your garden. Call 719-256-6200 or you can email us at info at com. 
And now turning to an article on the front page, Ancient Materials Meet Modern Methods at Historic Frontier Drive-In. This is written by Kim Black. When visitors to the San Luis Valley stay at the Frontier Drive-In, they have access to a circle of unique structures that blend ancient materials with modern technology. Cylindrical silos with open-air ceilings called skylos are made out of local harvested adobe, sand, silk, clay, water, and straw. Designed and built by architect Ron Rail, they provide a striking addition to the historic drive-in theater just off U.S. Highway 283 in center. The Skylows are a second test run of experiments in 3D printed adobe buildings completed by Rail, a Valley native who has been developing 3D printing with various organic materials and structures for about seven years. Using materials that are environmental, recyclable, low-cost, and easily accessible. He has printed with grape skin, coffee, tea, cotton candy, salt, ceramic, adobe, sugar, wood, cement, bone, and tires. We were interested in using 3D printing, but couldn't afford the printers or the material, Rail said. So, we hacked a printer and developed our own material using whatever was available. As CEO and co-founder of a business called Emerging Objects and Professor of Architecture at the University of California, Berkeley, Rail was inspired to experiment with new materials in response to the housing crisis in the Bay Area. He has traveled around the world looking at buildings made of earth. Skylows at the Frontier Drive-In, made of hard and heavy adobe, which is traditional in the valley, feature a basket-woven pattern of organic mud with cracks and pieces of hay sticking out. The the design evokes a timeless sense of cultural crossover and an immersion into early indigenous architecture. Six of these structures are grouped together in a circle to form a tight communal area where people can step out and sit beside a small fire pit. It has a very intimate and encapsulated feel. The skylows were printed from the ground up by two portable three-axis SCARA, Selective Compliance Articulated Robot robot Arm 3D Printers It took Rail two summers to complete the project in 2021 and 22. The earth material was mixed manually on site and fed into a mortar pump to distribute out the aggregate arm of the printer, where it then dries and hardens in the sun and wind. They did test prints that first summer, recalls Frontier Drive-In co-owner Luke Falcone. After testing various sand mixtures around our site, we found the best version on Ron's mom's farm near Antonito. Rail's previous experiments in 3D printed houses include Casa Covita, another adobe structure in the San Luis Valley, Salty Glue, printed in salt and modeled after an Inuit igloo, 3D printed house 1.0 in Beijing made with exterior cement polymer and interior salt polymer. Coral reef restoration seed pods in collaboration with C-Core. And cabin of 3D printed curiosities printed with Chardonnay, sawdust, and local ceramic. Our goal is to make the technology more accessible to people, Rail says. Most printers use plastic, but we wanted to use materials that are more sustainable, reusable, or upcycled. The Skylos project was born when Rail and the drive-in's owner connected through friends and discovered a shared interest in exploring housing alternatives. Frontier Drive-In 
built in 1955, was purchased in 2016 by the Falcone family, Luke, his father Mark, sister Sonia, and stepmother Ellen Bruce. The family's intentions are to cultivate a cultural art gathering space with performance, music, art, food, and local collaborative community relationships. Frontier will always be an experimentation on how to house people, Luke says. Completion of the project was celebrated last October with SLV Local Food Coalition's annual Harvest Fest, an event called Local Plus Scenaria, which was free to locals and migrant workers and featured community farm and artisan vendors. Collaborative partners for the event were the Dish SLV and Black Cube Nomadic Museum. Music performances included Tone Ranger, Nyoma, Moon Shadow Marauders, and Tio Puerta from Crestone. Movie screenings included Quantum Cowboys 2022, Baca the Kid 2022, Farm to Fawcett 2021, and De Osos Polvos de Estos Barros 2021. Frontier Drive-In attracts visitors from all over the valley, Denver, and out of state. The business has a Facebook page and advertises in Denver's Westward publication. Because the facility is licensed as an RV park and not as a movie theater, movies can be shown only to people staying in on-site accommodations, which include 10 guest yurts and 4 steel master shed rooms, all very luxurious. Movie licensing is expensive, but might be considered in the future. A newly renovated communal kitchen hosts uh, chef-curated culinary events. Each member of the Falcone family contributes individual talents to the business. Luke is a Los Angeles-based architect, Sonia, a real estate guru, Mark, a Denver developer, and Ellen Bruce, a designer who designed the interior spaces of the yurts and shed rooms. All grew up in the Front Range but spent much of their childhoods in the valley. Linan Barrientes, manager and executive housekeeper, says Frontier had many guests visiting during the winter and to attend the recent Monte Vista Crane Festival. People stay there, she said, when visiting local attractions like the Sand Dunes National Park and Penitent Canyon or when traveling through the valley. Sean, the new projectionist being trained on the high very high-tech projection system, is the great-grandson of the theater's original owners. Frontier plans to begin showing movies and hosting events this June. The author of this article, Kim Black, is an investigative reporter and newcomer to Crestone. And now turning to the Native Plant Talk column. Thank a fern when you drive your car. This was written by Carol T. English, Colorado Native Plant Society, SLV Chapter. The next time you start your petroleum-powered car engine, give a little prayer to the Philocopsida group of plants that we call ferns. These plants first appeared on Earth at least 400 million years ago during the Devonian period, and without them, the Ford Model T would never have hit the highway. The Devonian was a time of major change on the planet. It was when ancestors of green algae migrated from marine environments to fresh water and began to evolve roots and stems. Yet it was still too warm for the evolution of leaves, so photosynthesis occurred through stomata pores only on the stems. 
As these leafless ferns continued to evolve for millions of years, they were able to absorb and lock up huge amounts of carbon through the process of photosynthesis. Truly, it was a time in reverse of today, as humans are now using and pouring CO2 back into the atmosphere. Millions of years ago, as the CO2 levels dropped, the climate cooled and the cooler temperatures allowed plants to evolve leaves that intercepted more light without overheating. Many ferns growing in swampy habitats in the carbon Carboniferous period, immediately following the Devonian period, were as tall or taller than trees we see in the forest today. When they died, they sank into anoxic, lack of oxygen, swamps, which prevented the tissue from decomposing. All the non-decomposed tissue was buried, compressed, and formed most of the petroleum we extract and use today. There are now 11,000 species of fern and fern allies on the planet. 4,000 in North America, 60 species in Colorado, and at least 33 species of fern in the San Luis Valley. Ferns and fern allies require water to reproduce, so it is astounding to think this group thrives on Colorado's very dry climates. Ferns do not have flowers or seeds. They reproduce using spores that form on the abaxial or underside of the leaves and contain all the genetic material to form a new fern. The life cycle of a fern is fascinating and requires two generations of plants, a process called alternation of generations. The big leaves you see with the spores on the underside disperse the spores when they dry, and each little spore becomes a tiny haploid, half the chromosomes, a heart-shaped photosynthetic leafy thing called a prothallus. This tiny little haploid photosynthesizer produces sperm and eggs in separate little structures called antheridium, and archegonium, and then awaits for water. When the water arrives, the sperm swim to an egg and form a diploid, both female and male chromosomes, zygote. This little zygote now grows into a diploid sporophyte, the, the fern you see while walking somewhere in the San Luis Valley. Penitent Canyon near Lagarita, Colorado, is home to some very interesting native ferns, including forked spleenwood, maidenhair spleenwort, Vendler's false cloak fern, and several species of lip ferns in the Chilanthus genus. If you like to hike and climb up into subalpine, you will find some interesting ferns above 10,000 feet, including American parsley fern, Cryptogramma ar Archosticoids, which develops two different leaf types and grows in rock crevices, cliffs, and talus slopes. Along your way hiking up to the American parsley fern, you may come across more common forest ferns such as Oregon cliff fern, Woodsia oregana, or the less common plumber's cliff fern, Woodsia plumeria. Your appreciation for native ferns is now growing stronger, and next time you jump into your gas-powered vehicle, stop for just five seconds and give a silent prayer for the fabulous ferns that have inhabited this planet for nearly half a billion years. If you are interested in native plants, consider joining the San Luis Valley chapter of the Colorado Native Plant Society. Annual dues are only $25. On Facebook, check out the San Luis Valley C-O-N-P-S chapter page. If you ever have a native plant question, you can reach me at slvchapterpresident at gmail.com. And now taking a look at the calendar on Sunday, April 30th, Sufi Deeker, all welcome to participate in person or over Zoom. Email hamidanur303 at gmail.com 
or call 719-588-8602. Sufi Dikur is offered from 3 to 5 p.m. on Sunday the 30th. And in Happenings, contact Improv Jam at White Jewel Mountain Healing and Retreat Center on Wednesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. The cost is $7 to $20 per person sliding scale. Visit CignaYoga.com for more information. And there's open mic night at Tea Road Brewing on Thursdays at 6 p.m. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.